and welcome to Springboard Investor Investing. My name is Albert Okran. Welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard, ably led by Comfort. This is your most inspirational show and the point of convergence for the greatest minds. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse Just B. The Enterprise Group Enterprise Your Advantage, UMB Bank, celebrating 50 years in banking with media support from the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Business Newspaper. Today, we'd like to mention also our partnership with the Central University Ghana's premier private university. And if you want to go to a tertiary education institution that provides the quality that you, you look out for, you know where to go. So let's stay in the engine room in this series that has opened up the behind the scenes or, or behind the camera outlook on the lives of accomplished people in various areas of endeavor, including education, industry, media, ministry, governance, and everything in between. And I have a very special guest, somebody Comfort and I truly love and appreciate. Pastor Celia Piaget Collins is an award-winning leader listed as one of the top 10 most influential black Christian women in the UK. She's highly sought after as an international speaker with footprints in over 30 countries and counting. She's the founder and president of Rehoboth Foundation that focuses on leadership development, motivational and mentoring programs, and also very much so executive coaching. And that's where our interests converge. She has a list of clients that is very long, and it includes churches, corporates, and governments. Patricia, good to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a blessing. It's, it's considering how, how busy your schedule is, it's, it's great to have you and to interact with you on our special Easter edition. So they say Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. indeed. So our good friend and mentor, Dr. Joyce, are you once described her schedule as a bomb site. I said to them, what, what, what to bomb? What to, I think she was speaking for you. I think she was speaking about my life, not about, only my schedule. About your life, because anytime you call you, you are either in one country or another. The question is, where are you today? Where am I today? In all these travels, in all these hopping around the globe, what are you looking for? What, what, what keeps you awake at night? What, what drives you? You know, that's a very, very interesting question. I ask myself too, because in the midst of all the madness, there has to be an order and a method. And I do actually ask myself, what am I looking for? You may call me idealistic. I'm looking for a transformed world. I'm looking for a transformed people. My commitment is to transform thinking. And when you transform thinking, I believe you transform action, and we get a transformed world. I, and, and, and I'm gonna do my bit. I can't change the whole world, but I'm gonna do my very best <laughs> to shift something and expect the best. So that's it. I live in a very idealistic place in my heart and mind. It may not be as idealistic as you think. So you want a transformed world, transformed thinking, transformed people. And transformed desires. action. Yes. All right. Action and desires. Yes. Why? Because people can. As a Christian, I believe that God left this world in our hands. Now, knowing God, now I'm a human being. When I leave my office in the hands of my staff, I believe they're capable of executing what we all aspire for and to. I believe that they're capable of delivering it. I give them the space to imagine. In fact, before I got on this morning, I was in a, 
meeting with, uh, with our finance director, and I said, you find a way. I don't, know, I don't have the answer. You find a way. I'm very confident that the, at the end of the day, a way will be found. And so um, I, I, I'm doing this because it allows other people to be creative, release what they have. But I believe that God left it in our hands because he believes we can, we can and because he's put potential inside of us. Nothing is as liberating as seeing yourself become what you didn't dare dream you could. And the one thing that brings us out, that out, is a challenge. Let's stay with this same theme and look at your methodology. Mm -hmm. So you, you say you travel around the world looking for a transformed world. Yes. There must be something that makes you believe that something you do, let's see, averagely spend how many days in the country? <laughs> I don't know, but some days I may be out half of the month. Well. As we go in the next year, I can tell you next month, well, this month I will be out the whole month. As we speak right now, in another five days I'll be in New York. In an average, so let's say you spend, let's say you go to New York, spend three days there in a program. What do you do within those three days that you think will lead to a transformed world, transformed people, transformed thinking, transformed desires, and transformed action? What do you do? Well, normally I would speak in a seminar or conference, but I also love to do the one-to-ones. I don't care. If you pick me up from the airport, hey, you're in prison for the next hour till we get to the hotel room. I maximize every moment. I'll talk to anything that moves, breathes, as long as he has ears to hear. Because if I can drop a seed there, if I can excite or ignite somebody with a passion to change their world, my job is done. Actually, I believe in this so much that when, when somebody picks me up from the hotel, or, or maybe even somebody brings me my meal in my room, or I get to sit with a waiter, interact with them a little bit, if I can deposit that, I'm excited because they can go places that I can. They can reach people I can't. So the message gets elongated, and it, that's how influence works. Okay, I ignite something and trust that the message will be carried out. So what I do is I'm communicating a message that our world needs transformation. We can transform it if we all do a little bit. And of course, if you're a Christian, you understand this is not optional. This is a mandate. Mandates, mandates come as a command, but with authority. Let's push back several years. I don't want to guess, but several years <laughs> back. Very often when people talk about a mandate, an yes. assignment, yes. there must have been a beginning. Where did this all begin? Where, where, where was it? What inspired it? Because it's a unique kind of life. Surely you, you didn't start from your childhood thinking you could do this. Where, where did this begin? You know, I always tell people that every, the biggest question people ask is purpose. What is my purpose? How do I discover my purpose? I can still remember when I was a child, I distinctly remember, I used to talk to ants. I'll be instructing them. I realized that we all carry our assignment in us. It's inside of us. It's not external. It's who we are that is expressed in many particular and peculiar ways consistently. I feel since I got in Christian parlance born again, I felt that God would want me to do something. It didn't particularly look like a pulpit thing because I didn't understand any of that. But I can tell you from the time I got saved in my room, 
I felt like God said to me, write down your sins. I remember distinctly I wrote down 21 cents and I asked him to forgive me. Are you serious? I am serious. I want to see that list. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in that. Yes. Number one, number two, and number I three. Can't Which one was number five? You know, I'm just curious. I really can't even remember, except for the, maybe the obvious things like fornication or something. I, the reason I know it was God is I wrote down things that I would never have called sin, right. except that it had to be God. And then I, I just remember that he asked me. Then I had a dream the following day. And in my dream, I saw Jesus at a place that I associate with a prayer meeting. Um, and he said, I'm going to give you a gift. Go to the river and watch yourself say this. So I believe maybe it was a sinner's prayer. And I came back and said, Jesus, Jesus, I, I've, said my, I've said the words that you said. And he said, receive. I had never seen that done. I'd never heard it. And I fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I know it was the power of the Holy Spirit. But from that time on, I felt a mission to spread the word of God. So I would go to Kaneshi Market. I'll see people playing the guitar and preaching. I say, I have no idea what the Kebi was, but I'd mount that thing and I would say something. So you actually preached at pre Kaneshi Market? Oh, circle. I used to go barefoot and walk around circle. How old were you then? I was in my early 20s, maybe 21, 22. Anything that moves got something from me about Jesus. What was driving you? I had no idea. I didn't know about calling. I didn't know about... If you're telling me, Pastor, I was like, are you mad? You know, I had no... There was no intent or ambition to be anything official. All I know is that I discovered God and everybody must know about God. So I changed my name to Paul, Pauline. You're serious? I was such a Pauline convert. I loved... I used to stay in my room. My father said, me and my Bible were too much in his house. Because that's all I did. I consumed the word of God. I had nobody to teach me. So I read. And anything I read, anything that moved, I would, lock, I would tell them. I'd lock my siblings in the room. And, and I, did, I wouldn't call it a preach because I didn't know about preaching. I just shared with them what I'd read. So that continued in my life until, thank God, I discovered a pastor who discovered something in me. And even so, um, he gave me Sunday school to teach. In fact, I, I, tell, I kid you not, I used to go to a cult. I discovered a church. Now I know it was a cult. And I would sit there, it's full of Makola women. And they would, I would hold court. They would all be around me. You should hear me tell the Joseph story, embellished by my little bits and pieces of my understanding of it. So it started a long time ago. Now, if I may, if some, to our audience who are listening, I want to say this. Stop struggling with looking for purpose outside. Stop struggling with somebody telling you that this is your purpose. It's where... It's in our DNA. We're configured for this thing. It's inside of you. What do you want to do? I just want to communicate. I'm a communicator. Let me communicate something. Nothing excites me than communicate something that ignites passion or desire to accomplish something in someone. And that's what I've done all my life. You can label it as it is. The method comes from context. So when I find a context, I can change my message and my methodology to suit the context so that I have success. You're doing that right now as we interact with our listeners. And if you just joined us, this is Springboard, of virtual, Springboard your virtual university, and my guest for today, Reverend Celia Apiaje Collins. She's based in the UK, and she travels across the world in different countries, handling areas like leadership, mentorship, and working with churches, with organizations and governments just to help people find their purpose, live for God, and and optimize who they are. That's and true. That really is what you believe you are called to do. And and tracking back, it didn't start in such a fine way. 
traveling across the world on planes. It's never been a final. started in Kashi market and circle. And in Trotro and in buses. And in circle, the barefooted part is what's killing me. I had no idea. You know, they, I was told that somebody told me that you, you know, you preach the word of God, you can't wear shoes. So oh, this yeah. is me, half dadaba, half girl who likes style. I stopped wearing makeup, I stopped wearing heels. I had akutoshi on my hair, but I was crazy for Jesus. So let me let me track back. <laughs> when you say half dadaba, I was going to ask you. I mean, if you were in your twenties and you were. You were barefooted preaching. I was going to try back and see before that. Before. What was your educational background? Where well, have you been? So I can I can I, I can get the context. Secondary school. How weird it was. <laughs> how weird it was to be to be preaching barefooted. To be preaching barefooted. So I I went to Saint Monica Secondary School. I finished school. Then I did uh, my A levels at Accra College, um, and I got somehow I had this encounter with God. I tell you about the encounter, shall I? I was, <clears throat> I had dropped my mom off at church and I was coming back home. I, I started to drive very early. By 17, I was driving secretly. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're driving, your father no, doesn't Ghana, know. No, the Ghana police knows where to find you. <laughs> so one day, my dad discovered it and said, if you don't get a license, you can't drive. So I, I got a license. So I, I didn't cheat on my license. I actually had to have a test. And um, I got to the traffic light. I felt I heard a voice say, you're going to the beach with your friends. If you go, you won't come back alive. So I went home and I just put a scarf on my head, cleaned the, make, uh, the uh, nail polish, and I rushed back to church. You're serious? I'm, ser I'm serious. I think you know what? For some of us, God has to get us in a violent way. Otherwise, we'll be half in, half out. So my encounters have always been um, very few. But they've had to be dramatic in a way. So God gets my attention and I get his attention too. And so that's how it started. Of course, I didn't make anything of it. It was just Celia thing. I just flow with wherever it is. And so that's how it started. And I didn't have anybody to make meaning of it, which in a way was good because it just means that I was propelled by momentum. It is possible to go through life, I'm 60 something at the moment, to go through 60 years of life and never take a pause to ever think, what do I want? What am I good at? What do I have? How can I transact with what I have? There are many people in life who have never sat down and put that down on paper and faced it. And I teach four things when somebody comes to me and say, I have a business, I have this, I have that. I said, write four things down. Who am I? What do I have? Who needs what I've got? And how do I get it to them? Google the four in. Yeah, who am I? Mm -hmm. What do I have? Who needs what I've got? And how do I get it to them? Whether you're a business person or a preacher, whatever you are called to do. Why are these four questions important? They're important because they allow me, they, they provide for me a roadmap. And they bring clarity to what I have. If I don't know what I have, how am I going to sell it? And how, where am I going to sell it? Or to whom am I going to give it to? So let me sit down and do an audit of myself. Even if all I've got is a smile and a heart to serve, I can be a stewardess on an airline, I can be an usher somewhere, I can be a concierge person, I can have a customer service business. There is so much to it. Rather than me look at you and say, I want to be like Pastor Albert. 
you know, but I'm working on my strength. And if this is what my strength is, give us, we need to give ourselves a chance. There's nothing as liberating as discovering who you are. As soon as you discover who you are and what you have, you have a chance in life. You're no longer a victim because you have something to transact in life with. Life is full of transactions. Are you saying that for those who haven't asked themselves these four questions that you have highlighted, who am I, what do I have, what, who needs what I have, and how do I get it to them? Are you saying that those who have not sat down to answer these four questions possibly are denying themselves the most critical currency they need for their life's transactions? Critical currency. I like those words. Critical currency because you're on the starting block of life. It's a race of life. If you don't know the pathways, you're running a wrong race. Let me use the allegories of, 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 of or metaphors of, of a race. Am I, when I was in school, I used to do a 200 meters. You so, really did? Yes, I know. It's, it's hard for me to even imagine those things. Some, I'd forgotten somebody reminded me two weeks ago. St. Monica's, yes. Wow. I used to do 200 in Taco. Yeah, at that level. <laughs> at that level, yes. Um, I'll tell you about my hockey days. So, so that's something you have comfortable in common. You also played hockey for. for well, you. I didn't last hockey long in hockey. I didn't know the rules. I was whacking people's ankles, so they took yeah. me out. So I used to do two hundred meters. But you know what? There were people who used to do a mile because they had stamina. So just because I'm a good sprinter doesn't make me a good long a mile runner. So you can imagine, because I can run, it's too general. Most people are in the general lane. So, oh, you can run. Pastor Abed, let's put you, you have to do the three-mile race. Of course, when you are in your strength of the 200 meters or 100 meters, because you're a sprinter, you excel. As soon as you put me in, or I put you in the mile or three-mile race, one who excels is no longer using their strength. So now you struggle because you're not configured with the stamina, the breath, the lungs to be able to run long term. Many are running, but they're running in the wrong race because they have not sat down and did an audit of their own lives, your strengths, your weaknesses. Besides, if you're a leader, let me go into leadership very quickly. If you're a leader, leaders staff their strengths. Leaders don't surround themselves with people like them. The most important thing is we need a common vision. But we're all going to come from different angles. So if I'm a leader and I don't know what my strengths are, I will replicate my strengths. And you know what that brings? Conflict. But if I provide my weak, I staff myself with people who have the strengths where I am weak. We can complement each other. And there we go. Bingo, we have success. So in life, it's the same thing. Somebody described this, what he just described as with an analogy of playing cards and said there are four categories in playing cards. If it was in Ghanaian language, I know how to say it. Kule, kalo, yet, and spa. But they have names for them that club and, and, and hats and all those things. But what the person tried to do was to show the different personality types that these cards represent. So the hat, for instance, will represent the typical um, human-centered, compassionate oh, oh. person who does well in HR and so on. And how a leader left alone will fill the organization with people who are just like them. And that's exactly what he described. And 
while that may be fine if you filled your board with extroverts and let's go people and didn't provide those critical people who were not saved and, but just before you sign analyze the document, <laughs> analyze one paragraph that could potentially bring a legal case, you will have all the gang ho people lead you into a ditch. And so that balance is what is what just and it's it's even better than a balance. It's it's how organisms are. The whole body it doesn't look the same. We have ugly bits, we have fine bits, we have things bits that are external that everybody can see, and bits that are internal. You know, God is such a wonderful God. It works in the in 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 nature too. I discovered something called companion uh, planting. Uh, Well, it's interesting also that the first time we find God. Uh, in scripture, he's a gardener, and he thinks like a gardener. And so there's something called companion planting. You plant garlic with roses. Now you think, what do the two have in common? In fact, they are opposite. Garlic stinks, and roses, when you think of roses, you think of beauty, and then you think of the smell, the fragrance. So what do they have in common? They deliberately plant roses with garlic because they are aphids and insects that destroy the roses but there's the smell that is emitted from the garlic that puts these aphids off so when the garlic is next to the roses the aphids can't come and destroy the roses and you call that companion planting companion planting but the rose also with its beauty complements the garlic and 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 the little flowers that come of the garlic are shown off beautifully against the backdrop of the beauty of the rose. It's called companion planting. It's why they, do you, have you noticed that they plant beans and corn or beans and peanuts? There is a, there's a scientific reason why. It's called companion planting. In leadership, we must have companion planting. I have a different interest in what you're seeing. Um, I'm, I'm on a project, or Springboard is on a project that seeks to make agriculture exciting, funky, sexy, interesting attractive to our young people so that we can explore an integrated value chain in agriculture and solve Ghana and Africa's problem of industry on on the wings of agric and all the possible outlets. So as you are speaking, I'm listening to the leadership idea you're sharing, but I'm also building a link to our <laughs> pet subject. You owe me, you owe me. I tell See, you something. You owe me big I, time. I, I'll, I'll give you all the credits. Why not? Oh, I, I'll take it in cash, if you oh, please. Oh, that's okay. Which, which currency? <laughs> Euros is no, doing fine. If you just joined us, this is Springboard, which I invested in my guest for today, Reverend Celia PRJ Collins. She talks leadership like no one else, and she has such a unique way of bringing her truths to bear that leaves you very, very happy and very full of, full of admiration. And today we are trying to break down subjects like purpose, like companionship, like direction in ways that are different from how they are normally discussed, and hoping that you will find some direction, especially as we celebrate Easter and think about about Christ, what he died for, and how much he has empowered us to live fulfilling and successful lives. We'll go for a break, and when we come back, let's now begin to explore her own journey that began with preaching to ants and went through Kaneshi Market barefooted, through Trotro to Circle, preaching a gospel she didn't even fully understand, and help you find your own journey and how those stumbling beginnings could possibly be a big, big springboard to the future. 
This program is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, Just B, the Enterprise Group, Enterprise U Advantage, UMB Bank, celebrating 50 years in banking and with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. On Tuesday, just open page 18 of the graphic business, and you see Pasilia's smiling face, not with her makeup and her her nail polish <laughs> taking off, but looking as great as she normally does, mm -hmm. telling the story of her life in this interview. As we celebrate UMB at 50, let me remind you that all great countries are built on the back of entrepreneurs who are inspired to take risks and turn startup SMEs into thriving corporations. Springboard is about inspiring people and firing up Ghana's young people to build thriving businesses. And that is why we are proud to be associated with a bank that has done this for the past 50 years since 1972, supporting SMEs and startups. And as UMB celebrates 50 years of the bank, they are assuring all of us about their commitment to SMEs and startups and saying, just call them and they will work with you to build an enduring business enterprise. UMB bringing a uniquely Ghanaian perspective to banking since 1972. Let's go for this break. When we come back, let's talk leadership and let's unpack the story of Reverend Celia Apiaje Collins. Please enjoy. Hello. Dear valued customer. Hmm. Hey, Asemo. The entire customer service team is out for lunch. Please call back in four hours. What? Me nana be dia kona mama me bad service ano. Me kokra. Ah, nana. With bumps from Enterprise D, you will love the customer service experience, Keke. I'm available for you 24-7 on the Enterprise Advantage app, the Enterprise website, and on WhatsApp number 055-400-1924. Hello? Babs. Chat with Babs from Enterprise, your contact for insurance, pensions, funeral and property solutions from the Enterprise Group. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you, and, and the, the whole world, world awaits, awaits you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere, Everywhere you go. go. proud to offer you the best business solutions possible. We have been excelling in serving Ghana since 1972 and our sole interest is to make your business succeed. We are committed 
to making you to become number one in any sphere of business or enterprise you are pursuing. With our experience in growing some of the biggest SMEs in Ghana, we can support you become the business leader in Okaishi, Suami, Abu Sokai, or any of the SME enclaves in Ghana with our SME solutions. Our latest SME loans allows you to take a loan backed by the value of your cash flow and inventory so you can increase your trade efficiently. Speak to our business bankers or visit any of our branches now. UMB Bank, you first. Apply now for a degree at Central University, Ghana's leading private Christian university. Admissions are open for the 2021-2022 academic year. Degrees are available on our campuses at Mutual, Christ Temple Abusokai, and Kumasi. You can also enroll in our MBA with various specializations. Scholarships are available for needy but brilliant students. Call now on 0303-318-583. You can also visit our website at central.edu.gh for more info. Welcome back to Springboard Adventure University, and this is the most inspirational show and a point of convergence for the greatest minds. And this is brought to you by the Springboard Ratio Foundation and the proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business newspaper. Today, we also are welcoming our partner, the Central University. Happy start to the Chancellor, Dr. Mensa Utabel. Good evening, Lady Joy Otagal, and also to Professor Bill Popolampo and the entire team working so hard at the Central University, Dr. Gloria Jeha and Mr. Emil Afenyo. Just have a great time as you enjoy the virtual university. I want to also give a shout out to Dr. Ellen Hagan, Adlin Adofini, and those who are supporting you, Pastor Celia, yes. as you do this amazing work at Definitely. the Rehoboth Foundation. Last, last month when you brought Dr. Sharon Stone to Ghana. I was privileged to be there and and I found it a very refreshing, refreshing time and other programs. So thanks for what you do. I'll ask Wonderful. you about the, the thank you. as we go along. Thank you, but thank thank you. you for that program. Okay. Let me touch on contextual leadership. The two things that sometimes we miss out is incarnational leadership and contextual leadership. Explain them. Also, incarnational is when you are in the situation. Many people do leadership from an abstract place. So John 1, 14, we quote it like this. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. Yeah? We, this is Easter, and we're celebrating his coming and being flesh. Right. And then dying. But he dwelt among men. The message says it like this. And the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Mm. Jesus was effective in leadership because he... He was with the people he must serve. He understood their woes, their pains, their bends, their aspirations. And so he was able to feed in that, into that. Even his language was borrowed from the context where he was. Another great, and so we even trust him. Actually, we trust Jesus' leadership because Hebrews tells us that we don't have a high priest who, is, who doesn't feel what we don't feel. Where did he pick up those feelings? In the neighborhood where he was, he knew what ghetto was. So when he's making policy decisions, he understands it from a ghetto point of view. Part of our problem right now is we don't have enough incarnational leadership. They've forgotten what it is like for the, to be poor. They've forgotten what it is like to stand in the rain, what to wait for protro. Not, they've forgotten what it is like to have your kogali in the morning and hope that you will have a night's meal. Many of us have forgotten the days when we used to wear uh, Peking Gogoro, 
and you know you had shoes that you have to stuff toilet roll in so that it, it, it fits you. When you do that, how are you when you stand in government going to meet my needs? You've forgotten, you're not incarnation enough. The second point I wanted to make was this contextual leadership. Deborah says this, and that's why you must know yourself, and then you must know your context and the people you have to serve. Deborah said this, in the days of Shamga, in the days of Enath, she said I rose. What was she doing? She was giving context to her leadership. There's no such thing as generic leadership. They generate principles, they generate values, but to be effective as a leader, it must be arrow-headed. It, it must fit into the context. And so she said, in these days, this is what happened. Then she described what happens. She said, village life seeds. There was robbery, there was this, there was violence. And then she says, until. Every leader has to have an until. But we will get there, <laughs> she says, until I arose. But she described how she arose. She didn't say I arose as a prophet. She didn't say I arose as a wife of Lapidoth. She says I rose as a mother. Watch what she does next. She doesn't frontline the war. She mentors somebody to frontline the war. And that's what you call contextual leadership. That is part of contextual leadership. The difference between is, incarnational, was the first one incarnational? Yes, where your contextual leadership. Yeah. Under inc incarnational leadership, you hire the fact that the leader must never get so disconnected from their beginnings that they can't relate to the people who are at the base of the ladder as it were. Yes. And you're or everywhere, they may be on top of the ladder. Right. But to be effective, leadership is meeting needs too. So to be effective, I need to identify. <laughs> Leaders serve people. They don't just serve corporate objectives. Corporate objectives are delivered also by people. Hmm. <laughs> so you must identify and relate to the base of the ladder, where they are coming from. Everybody on the ladder, right. wherever they are coming, that right. you have to serve. Right. Let's go on to people. You mentioned the fact that well-meaning people can mislead you. Yeah. Let's talk about two kinds of people. Let's talk about a situation in your life where people who misunderstood you, as it were, well-meaning, sometimes even loving people, fought, fought your dream in their yes. own way. David had Eliab, his biggest yes. brother, saying, I know the wickedness of your heart. Yes. The word wickedness is, is, is a very <laughs> strong, word. strong word. I mean, the naughtiness, I was fine. Yeah. I know the naughtiness, but the... Another person says the wickedness of your yes. heart. And this was a well-meaning big brother. Are there times when people who love you can misunderstand and therefore fight your dream? Yes, because they Tell don't understand your dream. See, um, I, I'm, I'm going to work it from another angle. Most people would think, maybe I told my spouse and she, she fought me or he fought me on the dream. I told my pastor and he just said, oh, forget Charlie, forget it. Or they sent me to something else. Because people don't know you like God knows you. Nobody made you. Nobody knows what they've put inside of you. And a lot of times we judge people by where they are at. You know, so right now I'm struggling selling peanuts by the roadside. That doesn't mean that's who I am. So I love the fact that we're, on the, we're, we're in Easter. So I'm going to use an Easter analogy. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's bleeding from his sides. He's bleeding from his head. People are spitting at him. They're giving him vinegar. This doesn't look like a savior to you. Does it look like a savior to you? No. In fact, the Bible, Isaiah tells us when we see him, there's no comeliness. Nothing attractive to attract us to a savior. But watch what Jesus deliberately and intently does. He doesn't let his context or his situation define who he is or where he's going. He's still, see, because where you are at right now is not who you are. He still looks at the guy on the right and says, hey, today I'm taking you to paradise. 
that is important because other people were, were defining him according to how they see him. Nobody was there when God called you. Nobody was there when God formed you. But God made you aware of what he put inside of you. So people are well-meaning because they see me and sometimes they want to deliver me from pain. They want to rescue me from failure. And of course, there will always be people who don't just see any value in you. But most of the time is to rescue us from failure. Most of the time is to, they think they're giving us a safe direction. Pastor Tapo describes it very beautifully when he talks about the butterfly, the lava, the pupae, mm. and the pupa, and how it is, it's unfolding. Yes. And it gives a story about oh. somebody, somebody trying to help that butterfly. And breaking open and the shell. breaking their wings. Just that part that you touch, <sighs> thinking you make life easier for yes. the person. Leaving the butterfly with the broken wings. You're seeing yes. that people who think they are intervening on your behalf yes. can spoil or disrupt the process. Let's talk about affirmation because it's not always a case of people pointing you in the wrong direction. Yes. There are also people who can point you in the right direction and a long journey or a confusing journey becomes very clear because yeah. somebody just spoke spoke uh, into your life or met you and just yes. just had an encounter with you. Do you yes. have, any, I'm sure you have many, but can you point to one second yes, reference yes. to somebody? My father, when I was growing up, my, I was the eldest. My father treated me like, in those days, a, a boy. And, and also like an adult in many ways because he's a writer and he would write speeches. And even at a tender age, 15, 14, 16, he would read it to me. Right. And so I, I and he would share thoughts with me. And f I look back and I realize he must have seen something in me that encouraged me that way. And he would, I wasn't brought up to be dependent on others. My father always brought us up to say, you can make it through life, okay? At that time, you, didn't, you probably didn't see it that way. I, didn't, I wasn't looking to do life. You know, I just, when you're a teenager, you don't look at life that way. But he always would shape that thinking taught me how to read in a very variegated way and never limiting myself. My mother always affirmed me. My pastor, my first pastor, Reverend Dr. S.K. Boafo, I thank God for him. Mm. He, he would always... Regional minister? Yes. Okay. He would always say, but he, it never stopped him. He would throw me challenging things and leave me there. He would shout at me and correct me. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am. You know, I thank God for the investment in my life, even though it was fathering that was tough, but he always saw something in me and never let me limit myself with comfort. Then Dr. Miles Monroe made such a difference. He'd always say, Seely, you can do it. He saw something in me, held my hand, and showed me a horizon that was far greater than the one that I'd limited myself with. So you mentioned your dad, you mentioned your mom, you mentioned Doc, um, Dr. S.K. Wafu, you mentioned Miles Monroe. Yes. I, I, I met you with, with um, Dr. Cheryl Stone. Great yes. relationship, and I, yeah. I, I enjoyed the program that you had with her in Ghana. Has she also had an impact? She's had such a great impact in 20-something years. Sometimes I think she believes in me more than I believe in myself. Wonderful. And it's nice, you know what, 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 it's nice to have somebody hold your hand. If I want a clarity of thought, I will do it. But it's a balancing thing. She'll also do the same for me, with me. And the fact that she, who I think is a senior, would come to me and say, you're my coach. Help me think through these thoughts. I'm also honored. And when people honor us like that, they elevate something in us. How did you, how did you meet her? 
uh, we met in the States. Uh, I'd gone, somebody had dragged me to a prophetic conference. I didn't know what the prophetic conference was about. I needed some direction in life. And so I was praying. And um, we went to this room. We were all worshiping. She called me from the back and she began to, I was asking God, um, should I go to Bible school, leave everything that I have in England that I'm successful at and go to Bible school? And everybody told me, no. You know, God doesn't work that way. You're too successful because you want to go to America. You're going to be cleaning floors and starting all over again. You can't, God doesn't work that way. I'm glad I didn't listen to anybody. But when uh, in the meeting, uh, she called me up and said, well, you know what? Um, you're here seeking direction from God for education. God says, yes, he's going to give you a grant to go to college. And God worked all of that out. And I've never forgotten that. And several years later, we met in England when she moved to England. Um, and it began a long friendship and a mentorship that has, is still impacting my life. Mutually yeah. beneficial. Mutually beneficial. And, Mutually and, and for me, the lesson in that one is about who may look like a chance encounter with somebody you've not even met before, yeah. but that, that leaves a deposit that defines the rest of your life. Defines everything. And she, you know, I love people who live simply. And she lives simple. I like simple leaders. I don't like complex things, and I don't like, how shall I put this? I'm better than you attitude. Maybe I'm a grassroots person. I like to get messy with people. I like to be with people. Um, I think my post is more functional than anything, and it doesn't make me better than anybody. So when I see people who live like that, I love it. Let's go on to breath. You talked about your work. You've touched on bits and pieces of your work. Let's take a couple of minutes to find out. Okay. What are some of the things that you are doing? I mean, let's travel all the way from the little girl at Kanishi Market mm -hmm. and let's explore some of the amazing things that you are doing in different parts of the world. I've had the privilege, and I mean privilege and honor of traveling to over 46 different countries of the world. My last trip before Corona was in Nepal, mm -hmm. where I was with a major global NGO, who I'm an ambassador for that NGO. So uh, looking at work on uh, child trafficking, human trafficking. That was an eye-opener for me. Um, I've done some work with, I, I'm a director of the OM ships, which was in Ghana, not to, just left Takradi and Tema. So you must be called the Mercy ships? No, this is the GBA ships. GBA. This is a Logos Hope. Oh, Logos, okay. Yes, okay. I'm a director of Logos Hope, right. which has vis just left the shores of Ghana okay. a couple of weeks ago. I've done some work with OM ships, uh, uh, Mercy ships. I was on the ship as a guest and spoke, had the privilege of speaking to their global crew and um, did some work also for them on TBN um, in ambassadorial terms. So I serve also as a director of the National Church Leaders Forum, which is the, a black voice that um, has an alternative political manifesto for the government. So speaking in terms of uh, black people um, to government, but representing our views, our needs. And do you see yourself as a kind of ambassador in, not in terms of the, um, the strict use of the word, but do you see yourself as an advocate ambassador for, for causes like, let's say for women, for black people? Do you feel that you represent a certain constituency in what you do? Indirectly, no, not directly, but indirectly. I'm an ambassador for transformation. Okay, so, but as a woman, I feel a responsibility to womanhood not to let the side down. So I decided very long ago, I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not going to be ignorant. I will read widely. Education is not about qualifications. <laughs> it's about also intelligence and wisdom. So I decided that I would self-educate 
and I will represent womanhood because many people see me and they just want to, they don't bother to know the person. They de I'm defined by my color, I'm defined by my gender. When I walk into white spaces, I want them to know black is good up here. Black is capable, black is competent. That's, my, that's part of my value system. So I represent as an ambassador that way. Nice. I cannot let the site down. Gender-wise or race-wise, race I can't do that. Excellent. Yeah. Let me go on to what you may want to call the, the greatest leadership secret or the leadership secret that you think is even more crucial now in a changing world than ever before. Okay. What, what would that be? In a, in a changing world, I think leaders need to be flexible. I know we talk about pivoting. You cannot pivot if you're not flexible. That pivoting will crack you, it'll finish you, it'll break you. So you need to be flexible. And I want, I use an analogy of, um, I love the animal world from a zoo point of view. I mean, not too close to me. But I want to use the analogy of a frog and a bat. So if you put a frog in a clear glass jar, full of a million dead flies. Frogs eat flies, it's their banquet. But if you put a frog in a million dead flies, that frog will starve to death. Right. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because the frog has a problem. The frog only sees food or enemy when it is moving. So it only identifies with it as food or, or enemy when that insect is moving or when anything is moving. As soon as it's stationary and it's dead, it doesn't see it as food. As soon as the thing is dead, it doesn't see it as prey, coming, something coming to prey on him. So that frog dies. That frog lives with patterns and templates. Soon as you change that template and that pattern, it cannot survive. Now let me give you another animal, the bat. The bat doesn't work with templates or patterns. The bat works with a high level frequency that the bat, they say, is able to change direction according to the sonal sounds and frequencies that it gets as twice as fast as a flickering light bulb. You know, we've all seen light bulbs. Yeah, yeah. So that's how the bat is sensitive to change. So as soon as it sees change, it changes its direction. It changes what it has to do at that speed. Why am I telling you this story? The frog can live up to three years. The bat, certain species of bat, have a capacity to live up to 50 years. The difference is not in the configuration. It's not in the size. It's not in the species. It's in the fact that one works with only templates and patterns. As soon as you change that, they don't know what to do with it. And the other is so flexible and adaptable, it can move with change. Jack Wall says, at this moment, in this time, we need to change before change happens. We need to be what we call future fit. Future fit people get off the dance floor and look at the horizon. In Christian parlance, we say you have to be um, um, prophetic. That means we have to be, to be a great leader, you have to examine not just where you've been or where you're at, you have to look at what is coming in the next 10 years. What is my world going to look like? And position and posture yourself that way. I can't sign up this conversation without asking you the obvious question that many of our listeners will be asking, and rightly so. How do you discover this thing that will make you do it even when your, your means are best? How did you discover it? I'm driven by purpose. And purpose has this thing of capturing your heart and defining and informing your choices and your decisions in life. 
How does one discover purpose? One is born with purpose. One is inbuilt. So I in inside, I keep using the word configuration. That's how God made you. God designed you. When God made something, he made it with intent. Nobody, actually the word purpose means reason for existence. Nobody manufactures something without wanting an effect out of that thing. So when you want the effect, you design the thing to be able to produce that effect. So inside of, I listen to me, inside of me, I'm driven by something, I'm driven by desire. But alongside with my desire, I look at my competencies. I look at what produces results by me. What makes me angry? I see poverty, I want to do something with it. But I don't want to just do something about food poverty. I want to do something about mind poverty too, because I think the two go together. So I'm driven by that. The books I buy and the books I read are driven by the things that are inside of me that are speaking. So what makes you angry? What frustrates you? What would you like to change? I even have to listen to your prayers. I can exactly tell you where you're at. I don't pray just God bless me. I don't pray that. I say, God, open doors for me. I want to talk to presidents, actually. I want to talk to policymakers. I want to talk to the people who define uh, how we live and what kind of lifestyle that we have. Um, the reason I enter leadership is a means to an end. Leadership is just a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. I want to know about leadership so I can influence leadership because at the end of the day, it'll work for me. These are all the way, I didn't learn it from outside. It's something that's internally driven. Pastor give us a minute's expose on branding. Because you talk about the fact that we are different. We are each unique. We are not targeting the same group. No matter how similar we may look, each of us has something unique about us. How important is branding, positioning yourself in what you do and the confidence that that gives you about you being different from everybody else? It gives you confidence because everybody wants something unique. Why should I come to you when you look like me? There has to be something about you that complements what I'm doing. And I won't know that till you're branded well. I won't know that till I'm hearing the right noise. I won't know that till I'm seeing the right you that I need. You know, branding makes you authentic. Branding reveals to the world who you are. You can actually tell how people are by, and I, sometimes I look at a person, I can tell whether they're creative or whether they're artistic or what God has called them to do, just even by the way they look, by the way they dress, by the words that they use, I can tell that. And I think it's important that, um, it's also important that people do not misuse you. Branding will deliver you from people wasting your time. And it will deliver you from you stepping into the wrong fields. Because you don't fit there. You don't fit there. The way, the, way the wrong fields will stay with me as we bring this interview to a close. Because you started with the same description and you are ending with the same description that many people are running a race that is not even their race and you are saying that without branding yourself properly you may end up wasting your time and operating in the wrong field this has been springboard with university and my guest for today has been the reverend celia of prj collings based in the uk running the rehoboth foundation which she also recently launched in ghana let me thank two very special friends of mine who have been very great 
of great support to Pastor Celia in this assignment she has, and that is Dr. Ellen Hagan of Lene's Services. She says she's retired, but uh, we still call you Lene. No matter what you do, you can never be separated from Lene. And my good friend, Adelaide Adofenin, who also has been of great help to you in this assignment. They are two very good friends of mine, and I'm happy that they are standing with you in this work. Let me give you the, the can I even call them closing thoughts? Let me give you the 15 points I've taken from this conversation. The first is about calling, and you say you are called to create a transformed world, and that is what you live for, a transformed world, transformed thinking, transformed people, transformed actions, and transformed desires. The second one is about a seed. You say you sow this seed, these ideas, these thoughts, wherever you find yourself, whether it's on a plane, in a cab, hotel, waitress, anyone who would listen, you sow these seeds in them. The third is about beginnings. So you sat under a mango tree in Kaneshi, Kaneshi literally speaking to ants. So you're not surprised that you are speaking. And when this calling began, you didn't understand it full well, but you would typically go to Kaneshi market and literally preach barefooted, preach in trotters and preach a circle. The fourth is about purpose. You see, you are wired to do something and there should be no struggle finding it because it's right there in yourself. The fifth point is about direction. You say nobody can discover you like yourself. So find yourself. If not, you will be misled by well-meaning people who will define you based on the way they think you should be. And sometimes put a spiritual look on it. The sixth is about four self-audit questions. Who am I? What do I have? Who needs what I have? And how can I get it to them? Very big questions. The seventh is critical currency. You see, there's nothing more liberating than discovering yourself. And if you don't ask yourself those key questions to discover yourself, you may deny yourself possibly the greatest currency that God gave you. The eighth is about balance. Understand your difference so you surround yourself, your uniqueness, so you surround yourself with people who complement what you have. If not, you will end up replicating yourself and creating conflict. The, the ninth is about that distinction you, cr you created between incarnational and contextual leadership. And the big point from there for me is that effective leaders must relate to, identify the environment within which they operate. And that's the only way they can relate to everyone on the ladder, including those at the very base where they came from. And that is very, very important. The tenth point is about people misunderstanding you and you see well-meaning people can can judge you based on your current state or your current situation and while they may love you they may also hurt you because there's a cultural tendency to say that the young person does not have a voice and therefore you must listen to an older person who may be wrong about you the 11 points about people affirming you you mentioned people like your mom your dad sk Boafu, miles monroe and even Dr. Sharon Stone, who at different points in your life affirmed what you are doing. And I'm sure many, many viewers can say, ah, I also have people who have affirmed me and helped me find myself and live my dream. The twelfth was about the breadth of your work. I mean, you start from under a mango tree, but you don't end under a mango tree. And you were just giving us a catalog of some of the work you are doing with child trafficking, ships going around the world, preaching the gospel, and your own work with leadership in various places and saying, well, it may have started small, but it has not remained small. The, the 13th is about what you will consider maybe the critical secret every leader will need now. And you say that is flexibility. 
and you see the best illustration is that of the frog and the bat the frog limited by patterns and templates and therefore even not seeing opportunity when it's all around it and the bat that is so flexible so responsive and so quick to respond and for that reason the frog may live for a couple of years and the bat for about 50 years so you are literally seeing longevity is tied to flexibility i'll tell you what the world economic forum has identified cognitive flexibility flexibility as one of the top 10 skills any leader will need especially and it was said before COVID, especially in a disruptive world can i add in the scripture of it to it very quickly luke 22 jesus looked at his disciples and says when I sent you, I sent you, I don't, take, don't take script, don't take press, don't take this. Did you lack anything? They said, no, it worked. He said, but now, everything I told you not to take, take. take. But now is important because when the season changes, instructions change. 100% agree. And that is why I sometimes feel a bit worried because I suspect that the tools that people used before the world got disrupted, they still are leaning on those tools at a time when we will need reskilling and upskilling to be able to be relevant in the world that has changed. The 14th point is about discovery. You see, one is born, designed, and configured with a purpose or a reason to live that was put there by God. And in addition to that, you need to discover your competencies, your desires, what makes you happy, what makes you annoyed, what makes you sad, what books you buy, and the, the one I love, what you pray about. Just hearing your prayer topic will tell me what your purpose is. And the fifth and the final one is about branding and confidence. You see, if you don't package yourself well and focus on what makes you distinct and unique, you may end up wasting your time. And when that happens, you can be dissipated on the wrong race or the wrong place or the wrong assignment. And I found, I found that very, very useful. What will be your closing thoughts in half a minute? All mics on you, everyone looking at you across <laughs> the world. In 30 seconds, what would you say to our viewers and listeners? You owe yourself, you owe God, you owe the world to find you and to serve you because we're waiting. We can't make it without you. Wow, the world is waiting, the world can't make it without you. Find yourself, you owe God, you owe the world, you owe yourself. Find yourself and save you because the world can't make it without you. Those are the closing thoughts of Pastor Celia, PRJ Collins, the founder and president of Rehoboth Foundation, based in the UK and also based in Ghana, and with footprints across 46 nations of the world and counting. This has been the engine room brought to you on Springboard Adventure University by the Springboard Racial Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. On page 18 on Tuesday, find Pasicilia and these 15 points and everything else you said about leadership and also about discovering yourself and living a fulfilled life. Good evening to my friends at the Central University joining this partnership for this year. We are trusting God that every one of our partners will have a fantastic 2022. Happy Easter to all of you. Christ is risen and he's risen indeed. indeed. So, till we come away again next week, my name is Albert Okran on behalf of Team Springboard saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you.
105.7 FM. For change by donating to the accounts displayed on your screens. The Classroom Project, promoting social justice through philanthropy. each other every day at joy news we tell your story you have a story the world should know about 